Well, hey, Heritage Church, it's my privilege to welcome you to this weekend, which is a significant part of our church life, because there's a couple of things that are happening. One is the pastoral vote, which is an opportunity for you to bring your voice to the table to vote yes or no to the board's recommendation as it, result, as it stands to the senior pastor role. In fact, we'll have a couple of key leaders coming to share some more details and information about how that will happen at the end of the message. Which takes us to the second thing of note, which is the message itself. This is the second week of our Crave journey, which is positioning us in an intentional pursuit of God and His greater purposes as we lead up to Easter. And if you did not, if you were not here to be part of our kickoff last weekend, I encourage you to get online, go to heritageqc.com, click the media tab, and get caught up at some point in the journey. But for today, we're going to step into the second week's message. It's kind of a nuts and bolts message uh, out of last week's message, kind of some next steps that will ultimately position us to step boldly into God's greater purposes as we approach Easter. Now, I want to take a moment to just get caught up in the journey, do a little bit of a review so that we're all tracking together in this process. And in your sermon notes guide, you'll see one big block right at the top of it, and everything I'm going to write right here, you have that whole block to write in. And so what we know from our study last week is there's this principle in Scripture called harvest, principle of harvest. We're talking about life change, we're talking about reconciliation, redemption, restoration. It's the thing that God brings about. And harvest is not a single moment. Harvest is a journey. It's a process. And there are steps to that journey. Those steps, as we saw last week, are to buy, to plow, to plant, to water, and to weed. And only then do we see harvest. We see God bring about what he wants to bring about in and through his people and the lives of others in this world. It is a process. God established the world on this principle. When we violate it, we miss out. Yet, we're tempted to stand here and just want harvest, harvest, harvest. But it's ridiculous. No one lives in perpetual harvest. But we try. We want to go from one great moment to another great moment, from harvest to harvest to harvest. But it simply does not work that way. In fact, we know from our time last week that no great harvest comes without the rest of the process. No great God-orchestrated harvest comes apart from the rest of the process. I mean, we have to faithfully and fully lean into the journey. And now, the rest of the process isn't all that glamorous. It's kind of costly. It comes with sacrifice, but it is always worth it. It is always worth seeing God bring about the fruit of his greater purposes in this world and in the lives of the people who live here. That's the journey we're on, and no great harvest comes apart from the rest of the process. Now, one of the best ways to move through that journey is to engage in some activities that are simply known as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are the things that help us plow and plant and water and weed. And the definition we're using comes from a theologian named Dallas Willard, and he says spiritual disciplines are simply doing what we can do with our body, mind, spirit to receive from God power or ability to do what we cannot do by human effort. Now, I like that definition, and the reality of spiritual dis disciplines is that people categorize them differently, they label them differently, but we're working with three categories, the inward, the outward, and the corporate. The inward disciplines are meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. The outward disciplines are simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And the corporate disciplines are confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. 
We will take time to more fully unpack a lot of the other disciplines, but for now in our journey at this point, we're going to lean into prayer and fasting with a little bit of study as we step further into Crave. Because we know that some things only happen by prayer and fasting. Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. We know that because of where we looked last week in Mark chapter 9, where there's this really cool story uh, where Jesus had gone up onto a mountain with Peter, James, and John. He interacts with Moses and Elijah. He left nine disciples at the bottom of the hill. When he came back down off the mountain, he found there was a large group gathered around the disciples. They're in conversation. Actually, they're engaged in a debate with the religious leaders. Now, come to find out, the disciples couldn't drive out an evil spirit from, from a boy that was brought to them. And in a private conversation, well, Jesus was able to do that, but then in a private conversation afterwards, the disciples, those nine, said, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus did not say, it's because I'm Jesus and I can do stuff you can't. What he said was, you weren't ready and you missed it. Actually, what he says in Mark 9, verse 29, he says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And the implication of this is that they were not ready because they were not engaged in prayer and fasting as they should have been or could have been. I mean, they may have been dabbling in prayer and fasting. Jewish men of the day would have been doing that. And it's a bit of presumption to say that they weren't doing it at all. But we do know that they weren't doing it in a manner sufficient to be ready and to be used by God. Now that's important to understand because this concept of spiritual disciplines isn't just about our private spirituality. They are steps to readiness. They are steps to seeing harvest. And the nine were not engaged in them as they should have been, and they were not ready. Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. And that's one of the reasons that we're leaning into this thing that we're calling Crave. So if you have a Bible... I invite you to grab it and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. If you've got a smartphone or device, click down through it, John 15. We're landing there because we see in both prayer and fasting a couple of realities that are important to acknowledge. The first is that we can do nothing apart from God. We can do nothing apart from God. Jesus said this in John 15 verse 5. These are his words. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Fruit, that's, that's harvest. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. But what Jesus goes on to say in another part, portion of Scripture, in Mark chapter 10, he goes on to say this, that we can do all things with him. Mark 10, verse 27, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things are possible with who? God. With God. Man, I love that we serve a God who's able to do all things, to be able to do the impossible. That even though we can't, do, we can't do much, if anything at all apart from him, but with him, everything is possible. I was in my quiet time this week, and I came across a passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. And it just jumped out at me. I want to share it with you this morning. Simply this. He said, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I love that we serve a God like that. He is able. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, all things are possible. So as we get ready to step into Crave, I want to take a few minutes to go back to the basics. Go back to the basics. Whether you have walked with God for just a short period of time, 
or whether you've walked with him for decades, or perhaps you're here today and you're spiritually unresolved. You haven't figured out what you're doing with this guy named Jesus. It's always good to go back to the basics and to start digging through what does that mean in how we live and move and work in this world. So I want to go back to the basics. In fact, I want to take a moment and drop into the Gospel of Matthew, where we find three chapters of teaching. There's actually a section in Matthew from chapter 5, including chapter 6, and into chapter 7, that are all just red-letter words in red-letter Bibles. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus has just given this this large piece of instruction that we've called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's just just chocked full of good, important stuff. In fact, in chapter 6, right between like talking about needy, the, the needy, and talking about treasure and worry, right nestled in there is some instruction about prayer and fasting. Now, one of the things I understand about our culture and the world today is that prayer and fasting are kind of lost disciplines. We may hit them once in a while, but for the Jews of the day, when Jesus was speaking, prayer and fasting were daily and weekly investments. They were valuable pursuits that they engaged in to pursue God. They were significant activities to help them relate and journey with God. But for us, there's not... They're not all that common. And I think that Crave will help us recover some of that valuable pursuit for us as we lean into relationship with God. Those three things that we're looking at are are just simply this. They are prayer. We're going to pray. It's study. And we're going to fast. Engage in the discipline of fasting. Three disciplines that form kind of the pillars of the Crave journey. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about these things. In fact, he referred to prayer several times. And when he did it, he said, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. He said this specifically, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Then he said, when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. There was a very clear expectation from Jesus that those who follow God, those who follow him, would be engaged in the discipline of prayer. He even goes on to say, when you fast. He said, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. Jesus had an expectation that those who followed God would engage in disciplines like prayer and fasting. And that's huge. So if Jesus expected us to do these things, how do we do it? Often, I think... We may not know how, and so we don't even try. Or we think we know how, but we really don't, and so we do it in a way that isn't best. And I want that to change for us. That's one of my hopes out of this Crave journey, is that we would learn to engage in disciplines that actually move us through plowing, planting, plowing, planting, water, and weeding. That it would move us to the place that God brings great harvest. So the rest of our time, I want to talk through that. But first, I want to do something kind of fun. Let's do this. I'm going to whistle a song. And if you know the song, you think you know the song and know the words, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at, okay? Pretty clear? Everybody at our campuses, online, you guys do this too, all right? You ready? With me? All right. Okay, excellent. A lot of hands going up. So you guys know the song, right? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count one, two, three. I'm going to whistle like the first two notes, and then I just, I want you to sing. Doesn't matter if you're flat, off key, just get out the word. Just yell the words out right where you're at to that song. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold it, hold it.
I thought you knew what song we were singing. Because I heard Twinkle Twinkle Little Star over there. I heard ABC down over here. And I heard Ba Ba Black Sheep over there in the corner. But I thought we were all singing the same song. Listen, same song, same tune, different words. Kind of cool, huh? We could actually like have this group sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. You guys in the middle sing ABC. And you guys sing Ba Ba Black Sheep over here have an awesome round. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, we're not going to do that. I'm going to sing them all for you, okay? Here, check this out. Here we go. Listen up. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P. Yeah? Hang on. Hang on. One for the master, one for the dame, one for the little boy who lives down the lane. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, next time won't you sing with me? Pretty cool. Thanks. Look. Same tune, different words. Same sound, different message. I bring that up because I think we can engage in prayer and fasting in a way where we think it sounds the same, sounds the same looks the same, but it's really actually different. And because it's different, we get caught up in, in the frustration of why it's not really yielding what we thought it would and why it's not leading to what Scripture says it should, and we give up and we quit. We may think we know how to engage in these disciplines, but sometimes we don't. And honestly, I think it's, it's seen in statements like, prayer is hard. You ever heard somebody say that? Maybe you said it yourself. If we take that perspective that prayer is hard, and we put over top of it the scripture that says we're supposed to pray without ceasing, oh, my goodness, it's like an impossible, insurmountable task. And then we're tempted to not even try. See, I, I challenge the statement that prayer is hard. It's not hard. Prayer may be elusive to us, but it's not hard. And it's only elusive to us because we're doing it wrong. That what we're doing sounds or seems to be the same, but it's not. The way we're doing it is wrong or, or not best. That there is a better way to pursue God through these investments. And I believe we often struggle in prayer because we're doing it wrong. We're looking at it wrong. In fact, when we see it as a task instead of a relationship, we're doing it wrong. When we're pursuing an outcome instead of God himself, there's a better way. And we're simply looking at it wrong. I used to think Praying without ceasing was like God asking us to hold our breath underwater indefinitely. I'm like, that's not possible. You can't attain that. Have you ever, ever tried to hold your breath underwater? Who's ever tried to go as long as they could underwater holding their breath? Oh, yeah. Listen, I, when I was a kid, I loved the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau. Absolutely loved it. I wanted to be on Jacques Cousteau's dive team. I found out those guys could hold their breath for like eight minutes, and I started working on it. I went from like one minute to like up to three minutes, I'm like, I'm done, I'm out. <laughs> That's all I can do. But I used to look at prayer that way. Like, take a deep breath, dive in, and get as much done as, you, as possible before you have to come up. And I lived that way for years. Until God showed me that it's actually the opposite. You see, we live here in this fallen world underwater. And God wants us to surface in prayer, to breathe, to connect with him, 
to receive from him so that at some point we can return back to this place, this environment that we live in, an environment we were never created to be in, a fallen, broken world, and we can live as a people sent on mission. Prayer is not hard. Prayer is a place where we connect. Prayer is interacting. Prayer is receiving. Prayer is depending. Prayer is abiding and accessing God. It is the greatest privilege on earth, and we were made for it, just like breathing. You ever wonder why birds, when they fall asleep at night, that they don't just fall out of the trees and we wake up in the morning and see birds scatter all over the ground? Besides the fact maybe you don't get up early enough to see it. Because those little buggers do sing early, don't they? I mean, think about it. Like when we start to nod off, we start to fall asleep, we have to catch ourselves before we fall out of the pew or chair, right? <laughs> Why is that not the case for birds? Listen, it's in their tendons. God created birds so that when they bend their leg at the knee, that that tendon contracts their claws like a steel trap. And it, ref it refuses to let go until the knee is unbent. That's why birds can remain safely and securely in their perch, even while they rest. That's pretty cool, huh? You know what's even cooler? That's the secret to you and I remaining in Christ. We were made with relational, emotional, and spiritual tendons that lock us safely in the presence of the Father through prayer. It's the power of the bended knee. It's submission. It's prayer. In fact, it's in John 15 that right after that verse 5 passage, it says that we can do nothing apart from him, that, that Jesus unpacks a little bit more in verse 9. He talks about the significance, the importance of remaining in him. He says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, much harvest, life change, much freedom, much reconciliation, much redemption, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we don't understand that, we struggle, and we think that a, a spiritual discipline is just not worth the, the difficulty of figuring it out, or we think that we should stop, but in reality, what we need to be doing is just leaning into it more in the best way, in the right way, so that God can do all He wants to do in and through us. So as we step into the discipline of, of prayer, I want to give you just a helpful acronym to structure your prayer. It keeps us from being imbalanced in that conversation, in, in that, that place where our knees are bent and, our, and we're safely locked on to the branch. It's simply a, a, just the word chat. C-H-A-T. Chat. It's an acronym that just organizes our prayer. And this is what it stands for. It's confess, honor, ask, and thank. This is not a formula to getting God to do what we want him to do in prayer. This is, this is something that keeps us from just asking all the time and not honoring him 
or keeps us from, from just having that imbalance in prayer. And so we're talking about confession. That, that's the idea of like, God, uh, here's my junk. Here's where I've messed up. Cleanse me, wash me clean. I, here's my stuff, take it from me. Help me get rid of this. It's starting in the right place to position us to ultimately praise and honor him. God, you are holy. You are awesome. You are majestic. You are wonderful. I praise you for who you are. And then after that, we can move into that asking component. We say, God, I've got stuff going on in my life. I need some help to know what to do. Lord, help me, help me to work out this thing in relationship with this person. Uh, help me to understand you in this way. This is where we're talking and exchanging. Like, God, give me some help along the journey. But then there's this element of thanksgiving. We're saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the opportunity to spend time in your presence and to breathe before I return back to this world that you have sent me to represent you. See, the, the point of prayer isn't, isn't about what we get out of it. It's about who we find in it. And in prayer, we get to know him. It's in the book of Psalms, Psalm 46.10. The psalmist writes, Be still and know that I am God. God wants us to sit before him in stillness, to, to confess, to, to worship, to ask, and to thank ultimately so he can reveal more and more of who he is. And it's on the bended knee that that takes place. You know, I have to, I have to tell my heart this stuff every day. Uh, the first things first, to, to breathe him in, to receive mercy, to give thanks. If I don't do that, the things of the world crush in and around me, that's why pr prayer is essential for keeping us rightly related to him in the journey. And that's why it's part of our crave process. The next discipline that we're looking at is that discipline of study. And study relates to reading scripture, reading the Bible, but it's not just scripture reading. It's actually about engaging the text in a way that changes us. Anybody can read the Bible, but only those who are willing to be changed actually ever are. The Bible is a love letter to us. It can encourage us, it can comfort us, it can instruct us, correct us, and we need to regularly and faithfully be in his word, hiding his word in our hearts so that we won't sin against him, memorizing it so we know what it says so we can recall it in a given moment so we can stand firm on the promises he has given us. And what I want to give you is a tip, a couple tips for how to study scripture, not just read it. And so Anytime you're reading scripture, read through that section, whatever you're doing, and stop. And once you've done that, go back and do three things. First thing is to observe. Ask yourself, what does it say? The second, the second thing that it says is to interpret. If it says this, what does it mean? If it says this, what does it mean? And then the last thing is to apply. If it says that and it means this, how do I now live? It's a simple way to move from reading scripture to actually studying it. To say, what does this say? What does it mean? And how now shall I live as a result? All the while, what we're trying to do in both prayer and study is to pursue him. It is about knowing him, relating to him. And as you read scripture, that's a simple way just to stay on task and keep moving through his word to know and understand what he's trying to communicate. And you don't have to have a theology degree or a fancy credential to simply sit with Scripture and observe, interpret, and imply. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. And that's part of what we're doing through this Crave journey. Finally, the last discipline we're looking at is fasting. 
fasting. Now, this is probably the, the least familiar discipline that we're engaging in. And we're not actually commanded in the Bible to fast. But the Bible shows it as something that is good and profitable and beneficial, especially before significant events in life, before key decisions and key moments in the journey. The purpose of it is to take our eyes off of the things of this world and fully focus on God. And what fasting does is it reminds us and gives us the perspective of the fact that we are reliant upon God. It enhances our understanding of our reliance upon Him. Now, typically in Scripture, fasting uh, refers to abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Most often it relates to food. But there are other ways to fast. In fact, we can give up almost anything temporarily to focus our attention on God, and that is an expression of fasting. So what we're talking about in the Crave Journey, we're talking about setting aside at least one thing for focus on Him. One for Him. That one thing could be food. It could be uh, electronics. It could be social media. It could be a habit or an addiction. It could be uh, a relationship that we know we shouldn't even be in. It's the idea of setting something aside so that we can more fully focus on Him, direct our attention to Him. Everybody is able to fast. Anyone can do that, but not everybody is able to do it as it relates to food, especially if there's a physical issue or medical issue, like if you're a diabetic. But everyone can temporarily give up something in order to crave God. And the crave component, or the fasting component of crave, is a dotted circle because it is an individual expression. And what we mean by that is that you need to seek out the most effective and appropriate way for you to engage in this discipline. And that might be food, or it might be something else. The goal is to set that thing aside, set it aside, and say, we desire him more than we desire that. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm setting this aside for this period of time in this way, so that, because I desire you more than I desire that. And it is a powerful way to remind us of our reliance on him, and to keep our focus on him, so that he can teach and lead us. Fasting is, is not intended to punish our body, but to redirect our attention to him. It, it's not about deprivation, it's, it's about prioritization. And so we're not just going without, but we're going to. And we're not just turning away, but we're turning toward. And I want to be clear that fasting is, is not a way to get God to do what we want. But it's a way that we take our eyes off the things of this world and more fully focus our attention on Christ. And disciplines like prayer and fasting and study, they change us. And they position us to be able to do what he, what he wants, when he wants. So that's Crave. Those are the three pillars of Crave, if you would. And ultimately, my heart's desire is for us as a church that we would see that Second Chronicles 7 passage lived out. It's where the Lord says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal and will heal their land. That's what we want to see. God moving in response to the humble pursuit of his people. And so we're looking to engage in spiritual disciplines in order for God to bring change that leads to his greater purposes. In order for him to bring change. That's change in us. That's change in those around us and change in this world because he responds to the prayers of his people. And I want to give you more information about what it looks like to pray and fast and study through this crave journey. But I want to just real quickly just 
focus on a couple pieces of where we can get turned sideways in this. We get turned sideways in prayer when we focus more on the answer than the pursuit of Him. And we get turned sideways in study when we enter into that time thinking we know there is everything we need to know about that scripture before we ever even start. And we get sideways in the issue of fasting when we focus more on the task than on the one we're seeking. More on what we're going without than what we're trying to lean into. It's really important as we step into this, this crave journey that we keep our hearts and minds prioritized and focused properly with the right orientation on seeking Him to ultimately know Him and crave Him, to hunger and long after Him. See, one of the realities of this journey and probably the journey in life is that what we chase matters more than what we avoid. What we chase matters more than what we avoid. And this is a season designed so we can chase hard after God. But I wonder today what you chase. I wonder what you're chasing. And maybe you can even say it, what do you long for? What do you long for? My prayer is that we would be a people like the psalmist who say, oh, he says this in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Man, I want that to be the posture for us that we thirst after him, we long for him in a land, a dry land, a weary land where there is no water. Where we have to go to him to breathe, to return back to mission. What do you long for? We can do these practices, but the goal is ultimately position us to crave him, to desire him, to long for him. So let's move off to the so what reality. What are we going to do now out of this? Simply said, we're going to seek to crave God together. We're going to seek to crave God together. And here's how we're going to do it. Crave, if I could summarize it, three disciplines. Study, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. These things help us plow, plant, water, and weed. So on March 28th, we're going to start this thing off with a celebration. The celebration will be right here at Rock Island, 6.30, this Friday night. We're going to worship and take part in communion. And that will kick off a 21-day period where we lean into this crave thing. That starts on the 29th. The 29th, that begins the 21-day window. So on the 29th, I'm inviting and calling and encouraging you to begin reading Scripture, starting with John chapter 1. And then every day, read another chapter. John chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, until all the way down to John chapter 21. That will be April 18th, which just so happens to be Good Friday. So we will read Scripture every day, same Scripture, on our own time, in our quiet time with God, during this journey, we're going to be using a resource through a, through a blog that we've, we've launched. Uh, I'll give you the details of it shortly, but you can see in your worship notes guide, there is a QR code. You can get to it pretty quickly. It's livesent.today is the simple address to find it. But if you are a Safari user, that won't work for you. <laughs> we're working on trying to figure that out. So if you use Safari, do livesent.heritageqc.com livesent.heritageqc.com or with your smartphone, scan the QR code and you get there. So we're going to start with 21 days of reading scripture. We're also going to spend 21 days praying corporately for God's kingdom to be built here, for him to have his will and his way among us. 
And we're going to be posting reflections from the scriptures on that blog. We're going to be posting prayer points related to what we're praying throughout the journey. And I encourage you to go to that resource to engage with it. If you currently are praying every day, then I encourage you to raise the level of your investment there. If you're praying like five minutes a day, well, maybe you're going to pray 10 minutes a day. If you're not praying at all, then step into having a conversation with God, a chat with God every day for 21 days. We're going to read scripture and we're going to pray. The third component is that fasting reality. And the fasting component is something that I said is an individual expression. And so the first, we have three primary entry points. And the first one we're encouraging you to consider is a 21-day entry point. 21 days. It'll start March 29th. So whatever you decide to set aside and how you decide to set it aside so you can focus more on God, starting at the 21-day mark is one of the places to do that. The second place we want to encourage you to step in would be at the 10-day mark. The 10-day mark, which would be April 9th. That on April 9th, you'll step into a 10-day window. Maybe what's going on in your life, what's happening in your world, 21 days isn't going to do it for you. You can't get that done, but you can step in at 10 days and set something aside to more fully pursue God. Or the third step-in point would be a step-in point of Holy Week, which starts April 14th. That's the week leading up to Easter. That's the after Palm Sunday, stepping through until we get to Easter. And so what we have in the Crave Journey is this ongoing process that ultimately ends on Good Friday with another worship gathering here at Rock Island where we're going to worship and, and break bread together in communion. And we're starting with a worship gathering this Friday. We're ending on Good Friday, two worship gatherings. This whole thing is leading us to April 20th. As we seek Him, it's going to take us up to Easter and ultimately, I'm begging God to bring, through his anointing, an incredible harvest. That lives are transformed. That there is an awakening across the Quad Cities where, he, where people increasingly are drawn to him. And that we are transformed individually, but we're also transformed as a church. And we'll see hundreds, if not thousands of people get to know him in deeper ways, fall in love with him, receive his son Jesus as Lord and Savior, simply in response to the faithfulness of his people. I can't wait to see what he does. Now the primary place that we're gonna resource and communicate this is on that blog, livesent.heritageqc.com. Every day of the 21 day period, I'll be posting reflections and prayer points. I encourage you to use that all along the way. We want to celebrate before, we want to celebrate after. That is Crave. This is a journey, an intentional pursuit to focus our hearts and minds, to turn off the distractions, to be still before Him, to know that He is God, to breathe, to see spiritual breakthrough for you, for others to see the harvest he wants to bring. I'm excited to see how he's gonna respond. I know he responds to the prayers of his people. I want us to be a people who humble ourselves before him and seek his face, and so then he responds in a way that heals our land. I know he can do it. I also know he wants to do it. The question for us is how we will engage in it. And listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you're still working out that spiritual thing, this is still an invitation for you. Get in there. Read John with us. Pray. See what God does in response to just this intentional pursuit 
He'll help you start to figure out what it means to be in relationship with him. It's the same invitation. In fact, when, it, when you came in today, you received a worship folder, and in it was a card that looks like this. Grab it for me if you would. It's a Crave card. On the back side, you're going to see first name and, and the three step-in points for the fast. We want to use this as a commitment card. A couple of reasons for it. One is there is uh, the ability to solidify our resolve as people when we make a commitment. It's one thing to make a decision privately. It's another thing to, to declare it. And this is an opportunity to declare, you know what, I'm stepping into Crave, and this is how I'm going to be engaging. And if you're comfortable, I, wanna, I would encourage you to put your first name on there, just your first name. There is a line on there for your first name, just your first name. Because we want to be able to pray for you as you journey through this. And if you're stepping in at 21 days or 10 days or at the Holy Week option, as a ministry team, we commit to pray for you daily through that process by name. And this is how we know that you're stepping into this commitment time. And I encourage you to mark that up, fill it out, and drop it in the offering bucket when it comes by towards the end of worship. This isn't a ballot box item. This is an offering bucket item. So drop it in there as we lean into the rest of our worship time and wrapping up our service today. But I really encourage you to prayerfully consider stepping into this. The, the question that we have is how will you engage in this? How will you step into this? And really, will you let God do something in you that only he can do? Something that only he can do. Will you pursue him enough for, for that process of harvest to be a reality? For him to reveal himself to you? To see his kingdom built here? I'm begging God to anoint this time. I'm begging God to show up in big ways in response to the, the humble pursuit of his people. I'm already praying for you. I'll be praying for you by name if you drop the card in there. And I can't wait to see how God responds because I know that some things only happen by prayer and fasting. And I'm excited to see how he will respond to us in this season as we seek to crave him. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of knowing you through your son, Jesus. And God, I want to take a moment and I want to lift my brothers and sisters to you and I pray, Father, that you would pour out your spirit upon them as they lean into you, as they consider prayer and, and fasting and study in this 21-day window and the, and the individual expressions of it and the corporate gatherings. God, may you show up in big ways. May, may you allow us to know you all the more. And may you be able to bring harvest through our lives and through our sacrifice and through our commitments. God, we want to know you. Help us to be still before you. Help us, Father, to walk in step with you. And I pray, Father, that as a result of this season, that you would be glorified and your purposes accomplished and hundreds if not thousands of people would come to know your son, Jesus, because of the moments we spend in this season praying, fasting, and studying. God, this is ultimately about you. And I, I pray that you would show up and reveal yourself in increasing ways to us as a church family as we seek your will to be done. God, I love you. I pray that you would be glorified in this time. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,